What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt added here ahead of a massive divisional round playoffs in the NFL. We're going to walk you all through that, give you some of our thoughts on the wild card round, some of those results. We'll talk a little bit of Knicks to start, and at the end, we're going to give our picks. Uh, I take a a big lead on a big week for me and a down week for Matt. So uh, the playoffs are getting spicy for us as well. Uh, Matt, to start, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Wonderful as always. Yeah, you've your picks have not have not been the best. You have not won yeah. since. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what happened. I, I flipped the switch. Yeah, <laughs> you're really ending the season on a, on a high note for yeah. sure. Um, but we'll we'll get to that uh, at the end of the show. We'll we'll go through every game that happened, every game that's going to happen this weekend, um, and, and just talk talk through kind of you know team by team almost. But before we get into football, the Knicks uh, come out with a huge win yesterday. Uh, obviously, you know playing the Wizards not. Not a really a team that many basketball teams are really scared of, per se. Almost like a, a meme of the league at this point. But Jalen Brunson drops a 40-piece. Uh, he he absolutely did not let the Knicks lose that game last night. Although they tried. Uh, I don't know how much of a game you watched, but at the very end there, there was some you know shoddy late-game inbounding. There was some missing a free throw. There was just some uh, – there was a turnover that – there was actually a play that Julius Randle – uh, in, got the ball inbounded, and then they tried to steal it from him. And at first, the call was that it was out on Randall, or that was out on the Wizards. And then they reviewed it, and it was not only reversed to a Wizards ball, but then they said Randall fouled. I think it was Jordan Poole, maybe. And so it ended up being going from Knicks taking two free throws to Knicks not having the ball and the Wizards taking two free throws. So kind of a shoddy end to the game last night, but. Uh, yeah, don't know how much you watched of it, but any, any thoughts on the, the Knicks last night and Jalen Brunson? Well, if only MSG would let me watch games. Uh, Jalen Brunson, obviously incredible. Uh, this might not mean anything to you, but this is just a really cool thing the Knicks do that I wanted to shout out. Um, so anytime OJ Ananobi gets a bucket at the Garden, they play the, from Succession, the, the Kendall Roy song, the L to the OG song. And that's a song that I legitimately listen to on my Spotify. So I thought that was really cool. Um, that's really all I have for you. Nice. Uh, good Good two cents there. Honestly, I was there. I went to the uh, – what game did I go to? The Magic game the other night when they lost. That was a terrible loss uh, on uh, Martin Luther King Day on Monday. And uh, I, I didn't notice that, honestly. But also, I'm not a – people flame me all the time. I'm just not a TV show watcher or, you know, Netflix show watcher. So – Succession is not on my um, brain, I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that that is cool that they kind of found a way to. Yeah, you it's know, a show in New York. It was, it was a cool association, and you know, uh, I thought that. Was yeah, awesome. but yeah, big uh, big week coming up here for uh, I guess the Knicks and and just the NBA. This is an interesting time of the year for the NBA. Uh, trade deadline around the corner. Already some big moves. Pascal Siakam traded from the Raptors to the Pacers. The Pacers are. Or have been kind of neck and neck with the the Knicks all year. That I would be stunned if the they didn't make uh, the playoffs at this point. And now with Siakam and Halliburton and everyone they got over there, they're a very very viable and scary team there. So definitely some impact there. Uh, the Knicks seem to be dangling uh, Quentin Grimes around in trade talks. All reports seem to say uh, they've been linked to guys like Dejounte Murray, Bruce Brown, among others. Well, I'll have Brandon will come on and we'll talk some. Uh, talk some hoops and a little bit of trade deadline talk uh, sometime next week, but uh, really wanted to keep this more so uh, 
football focused this podcast because there is just so many storylines in uh, in the NFL and so much has gone on even just the past week that definitely want to stick to that. But uh, before we do that, any, any final thoughts on the Knicks or, or anything yeah, like just that? Just like what, what you just said about, you know, obviously now Quentin Grimes being on the block, just uh, it's just kind of an NBA thought on a whole. It kind of stinks that it's such a superstar league that if you don't already have that superstar nucleus, you, all these guys that we love that are homegrown, whether it's, you know, RJ or Quickly or Quentin Grimes, they're, you know, you kind of love them. And then you you just know that they're trade pieces. It's, it's almost like a shame. Well, so that happens a lot, unfortunately. And it's like, I mean, the one example that comes to my mind is uh, the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers every year, you see it's just LeBron AD and then everyone else, if things go wrong, it's just you, you might be traded tomorrow and you're you know it's you're almost always on the hot seat um, yeah. and so it, it's interesting to see that happen but look it's uh i think the the ogn nobi deal while many probably see it as a win-win it probably is a win-win for both sides but uh, you know the knicks got better so i think that regardless of who you traded obviously seeing rj and seeing quickly play so well uh you know can't be can't you know, make you feel good, I guess, as a Nick fan, but you're, you're eight and two with OG. You, everyone seems to be catching on to, you know, how, how well you play when everyone's healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, it, I'm, I'm kind of okay with letting another team uh, also win the trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we get too uh, impulsive when we go like win the trade, lost the trade, or, you know, RJ and quickly could both be hall of famers and there's still a chance that, you know, it was never going to work out that way here. And I feel like we just fail to see it that way sometimes. You'll see, like, you know, it'll be like players with the Yankees, whether it's like a Sonny Gray type where, yeah, they can be great somewhere else, but it wasn't happening here. So I, I don't know. But it, it's just really a great thing that they got off to such a hot start immediately. Uh, you know, it's nice not to hear any noise around it. Yeah, like, if they, you're right. If they were struggling and, and quickly and RJ were playing, you know, some of their best for quickly some of the best basketball and most consistent basketball we've ever seen him play but uh if that was happening and the Knicks were struggling out of the gate with the trade it, it might be uh you know a different different scenario we'd be talking about so uh very fortunate there but um anything else in in terms of the NBA before I, there's so much to get to in football I, will, I would I would be uh remiss to not give as much time as we could yeah no not, nothing else but that that is an exciting game tomorrow yeah, so Raptors Knicks uh, tomorrow night. I'll I'll have that on. That'll be a scenario where obviously I'll be watching the football, but uh, I'll have I'll have that on the iPad. You know, underneath on mute, tap in every commercial break. One of those one of those kind of things. But um, especially like you know the pregame stuff with RJ and quickly. I want to see how the the fans react to them coming back and if they get booed or if they get cheered. It's always uh interesting to see players return. But let's get the football. We have transitioned slowly to doing, you know, lesser pods per week, you know, going from two to one, uh, given just the smaller slate of football, really just kind of, uh, you know, other than the the few games we have in football, it's just minimal action compared to having to go through, you know, 15, 16 games a week uh, in the NFL. So we have games to go over and we have games to preview. So let's start at the top. We'll, we'll go back to Saturday of last week. The Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Houston absolutely routes the Browns 45 to 14. What a absolute showing by CJ Stroud and the Texans. Thank you, Joe Flacco. It was fun while it lasted. 
Um, I, I don't think anyone saw this kind of blowout coming. No, and I don't really know what it was because, you know, obviously the offense wasn't firing the way they have in the past, but, you know, they still had good performances from key guys. You know, they were still able to sort of move the ball. Um, they just kind of had trouble when they would get anywhere near the red zone. It, it was kind of strange. I think really the, the, the determining factor of this game was just the Browns defense did not show up. I know CJ Stroud's great. He might be, the you know, the best rookie ever. I, I get all that, but I mean – for them to hang 45 in a playoff game, I mean, no one saw that coming. If you would have told me they would have scored 45, yeah, obviously the Browns weren't keeping up with that. But I, I really thought this defense was going to hold Houston to 21 or less, and they didn't go yeah. close. And and I believe there were two uh, pick sixes, I think, in this game. And honestly, the a kind of a test of or how I like to look at defenses. And, you know, people were, were I don't want to say gassing up the Cleveland defense, but they were definitely – you know, postured up, I'd say, and definitely put into, uh, you know, best defense in the league categories. And, and I don't want to put this all on defense, but I think there's definitely something to a defense that, you know, is able to pick up an offense versus just able to hold a lead. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so, and I think that the Browns were where they, I don't want to say went wrong, but, you know, they, they kind of got behind, tr- had to try and pick up the offense. And then as soon as there was one pick six, I felt like the Browns just laid out and there was no real fight in them. Uh, you can say you can credit that to CJ Stroud. You can say that the Browns defense kind of, again, lay, laid out a little bit there at the end. But uh, they, to me, they, they just kind of took an uppercut. Uh, and as soon as that happened, they, they were just out for the count. And that's kind of the result of that's what happens when 45 points get hung on you. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they fell behind, they lost, you know, any semblance of a running game whatsoever. They, they did not establish. I mean, any running backs, uh, they was they didn't run the ball at all. So when you're kind of in that situation and you're going, yeah, Joe Flacco, go toe-to-toe with C.J. Stroud, it's just going to be shootout city, uh, you know, win the game for us, that's going to be tough. Yeah, and and then the storyline that kind of goes a little bit unsung here is the whole uh, Deshaun Watson storyline of this, where Houston trades him, everyone kind of rips on the trade at first, uh, They and now he's on the Browns, not playing, but now the Browns are probably forced to go back to Deshaun Watson. Not that like they were ever thinking of, you know, sticking with Flacco or going yeah. a different route, but you know, they're, no, they're I think that's a legitimate be. point because honestly, like I, I know what Joe Flacco is. I, I know how old Joe Flacco is, but honestly, let's just say that, you know, they went on some run to say the AFC championship game, which I thought was pretty feasible because a lot of the, you know, juggernauts that were in the AFC are no longer. So I kind of thought they had a shot. If they had put something like that together, I do think it would be tough to go back to Sean Watson. It, it at least would cause conversation, controversy. Like, I think it would have at least been a distraction and a storyline for sure. Yeah, they're, they're almost like, in a way, almost fortunate that this game kind of played out the way it did. And I guess Joe Flacco ran out of gas or the, the storybook uh, – the story kind of ended early there for Flacco because now they're, I feel like they're really not forced to make any sort of crazy decision. And they're just like, all right, we, we still, you know, at the end of the day, thank you, Flacco. We still have Watson. So they're in a interesting spot and they'll be an interesting team to watch this off season. Um, any other thoughts on that game before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, my only thoughts were just until we got to like the nightcap, we really didn't see a good game, man. Yeah. Well, the, Honestly, the only really good game was you're right, the Rams, the Rams Lions Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
you know, competitively. But I, I thought to me, games like this, like the again, like the next game here, Miami against Kansas City, Kansas City 26, Miami 7. Uh, not a, not a good game, but like it was definitely entertaining. You know, there was definitely times where it, obviously with, all, with how cold it was and the, the whole storyline of Miami going to play and, you know, the, one of the coldest games in NFL history obviously was on the forefront. Um, and I, I guess the way we could start this conversation about this game is, do you think Miami has is two of the problem? Is he one of the problems? Or do you think just the nature of a Miami team having to go to a Kansas City or a, a Cleveland in the middle of the, or Buffalo in December is just going to be an issue forever? So I lean more that it had a lot to do with the conditions. Now, I know that you were kind of all over Miami all year. You know, you smelled first round exit all over them. And, and I understand why. But having seen the Chiefs play this year, I, I really th- this game is not a 26 to seven game. So is it a tool problem? I don't know. I mean, he still loads the stat sheet every year. You know, he has no problem getting the ball to his premier guys. He, he never has. Uh, but I just don't think they were ever going to roll into that game you know, wind chill negative 35 and, and find a way to win. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would lean more that it had a lot to do with the weather, but that is a problem moving forward. Cause even if you have full belief in Tua and you really don't have any other detectable issues that really caused, you know, that this was kind of a catastrophic game. I think that is an issue moving forward that you're going to get into the playoffs and you're going to have to play games like this. Yeah. And, and again, it's not like you're, you're going to be able to go to a, a Los Angeles. You're not going to be able to go to a, a a Tampa Bay or you know something like that. You're you're playing in, you know, for the most part. Even if you even if Pittsburgh ends up in a playoff game against Miami and they play in Pittsburgh, that's going to be cold in December. And uh, you know the 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 idea of Tua kind of being the guy there, his it's it might get a little murky there for the for the Dolphins and Tua because he's reaching the point where you kind of have to pay him soon. And uh, you know I'm not really too impressed by him and i'm not really look yeah he was the the the, uh i think he led the league in passing this year obviously it's kind of silly for me to just say you know i'm I'm not in on him after that but to me what what use is it if you really cannot perform in these kind of scenarios it's just pointless to me yeah well when we talk about these conditions it's not even just playoff time i mean the team that you're really in direct competition with is buffalo yeah yeah exactly and even even like Let's just say the Jets. We're not going to – I was kind of trying to avoid any sort of Jet talk, but if yeah. let's just say next year the, the Jets put it together and down the stretch there's meaningful games in December where the Dolphins have to go to New York and play the Jets, that's a tough game for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – and then also I just had to slip this in there because I, I, I've been arguing this for, for weeks and kind of just following almost like a trend, but I don't, I don't even know if I've even brought it up to you, but the, my whole Tyreek Hill stance about how – he uh, really just beats down on bad teams. Did I, did I ever bring that to any any sort of light here? No, you haven't, but feel free. So here, here's the basis of my argument. I think, and this is only for when the when uh, Tyreek Hill is on the Dolphins. Not has yeah, nothing to do with say, him on the He definitely was a key player in some cheap playoff runs, but you took that away from me, so feel free. Go ahead. Yeah, so only only regarding the Dolphins and his tenure there. Let I'll, I'll just. Sure, I'll just point out these stats here and I'll and you give me what your thought is here. So this year during the regular season, uh Tyreek Hill versus teams that eventually ended up in the playoffs. So any any team that was again made the playoffs or either conference, 
Tyreek Hill per game averaged seven receptions, 77 yards, and 0.3 touchdowns per game if you want to really get technical, right? So that's good, you know, good numbers, whatnot. But then the problem I have with him and the problem I think this is more of – could be more of a Dolphins problem, could be more of a Tua problem. But when you put his numbers and you look at his – the difference between what he does versus playoff teams versus what he does versus non-playoff teams. So, again, seven for 77 versus non-playoff teams or versus playoff teams this year. Versus non-playoff teams, which is very interesting, he averaged, averaged per game, eight receptions, 133 yards, and 1.1 touchdowns per game. You can say what you want about, you know, Tyreek Hill, and he's amazing, and I'm not saying he's terrible. But I think that there's an issue with maybe, again, could be the Dolphins game planning, could be the play style, could be to his play style, could be Tyreek Hill's play style or just his stature. Uh, to me, a, a guy like Tyreek Hill having that sort of variance in, you know, when you play a, the best teams versus when you play the, the bad teams in the league, I, I think it could be a little problematic going forward. And again, the conditions, I get it. He had that long touchdown in the first half with uh, against the Chiefs this week. Kind of a fluky punt pass there by Tua to get that to him. And he broke a couple of tackles. Great play, all considered, but did nothing in the second half. The entire offense did nothing in the second half. He kind of forgot he was even on the field in the second half. Um, it, to me, it almost screams of like, all right, you, if you stop Tyreek Hill, you, we have no chance. And I think that's going to yeah, be a problem yeah. going forward. I think we've seen that pretty much every time that Tyreek Hill has left the game this year, which has been, you know, quite a few times. So it's yeah. you know, kind of even more impressive the yardage he's put up. In terms of playoff teams versus non-playoff teams, I mean, you're, you're totally right. I mean, the game that he had this past weekend is, I mean, it's right on par with what he does against playoff teams. Yeah. I just feel like he was so up on his, I'm going to get 2,000 yards, and they were just going to torch every bad team, get him the ball as much as he can. But I feel like when that's not there, when that vertical deep threat stretched the field, because that's what he is, um, not to discredit him or anything, then where's Jalen Waddell after that? Where is the sort of, you know, anything dynamic in the receiving game outside of Tyreek Hill when it's not working? And it's not there. I mean, we see Jalen Waddell with two catches. So, yeah, it is kind of Tyreek Hill or bust. I don't think that's the way they were built. I'm not sure why it doesn't seem to work against better teams. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're onto something and I think it's something to, to be worried about. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, yeah. you're, you're never going to not face a playoff team if you're going to win something big. Yeah. And again, you could have a bigger issue with just the dolphins and you could, again, you could have a bigger issue with um, maybe even McDaniel and I guess the way he schemes this, but uh, definitely something to monitor next year for the dolphins. Then you, you might be right. It could be just be the mentality of, you know, me trying to, or Tyreek Hill trying to, you know, break this record, break that record. But Definitely uh, something I will be watching for next year with not just Tyreek Hill, but the Dolphins in general. Um, we'll get we'll get to the, more so the Chiefs side of this um, in uh, when we talk about their their game coming up. Let's go to the perhaps the biggest stunner, the biggest uh, one of the bigger playoff upsets in uh, my recent memory. I'd even say the Packers absolutely dismantle the Cowboys in Jerry's world. Um, 48 to 32. I think the score, even, even at that score, I think the game was a lot wider of a margin than that score even says. And that's a pretty wide margin. Yeah. Uh, good on Aaron Jones for carrying on the legacy of my fantasy team uh, on the IR all year. 
but I'm really just happy to see him rush for 100 yards and multiple touchdowns every week now. Uh, you know, it makes me feel proud. It's it's great. Yeah, he he really was just, you know, coasting through the season because he knew he knew you had him on your team. So yeah. he's like, you know, I'm just going to – I'll stay here. I'll, I'll sit out here, sit out there. Oh, Matt needs this game for him to make the playoffs. I'm good. Yeah. And then and yeah. then when, as soon as the season ends, yeah, he just absolutely goes off. Um, so but, let's talk I mean, about Jordan Love a little bit because we have to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a tick away from a, a perfect passer rating, uh, you know, a, a tick under 300 yards, um, three touchdowns, protected the football. He's been unbelievable. Uh, and, and he's been great for multiple weeks. So it's kind of a, an invalid question if I were to ask you, was this just, you know, the defense of the Cowboys just breaking down? They just weren't there this week? Or are the Packers just this legitimate and this for real? And I think it's a, it's possible, you know, if you bring back, really you're running back one, the only running back who's actually a dynamic running back in that backfield, he starts to do his thing and you seem like you can't lose a game. It's pretty impressive. I, I just want to know where you think the Cowboys went wrong because we've seen this defense dominate teams like the Packers all year long. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting conversation with, with the Cowboys because I do, would even go as far to say that this team was just ill-prepared for the Packers. And that, that can fall on the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, there's a much bigger conversation to be had in terms of, you know, the well, thank Cowboys God he, now. The coach will be back then. I'm sorry? Well, thank God the coach will be back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's remarkable that it was almost, I don't want to say instantaneous, but within the, the, the like, 48 hours, there must have been conversation between Jones and McCarthy kind of guaranteeing his position back. All reports say that he, he will be back next year, which – Again, I'm not going to get into any deep Cowboys talk right now, but um, it's I, – I again, I thought they looked ill-prepared, and I don't want to take anything away from Jordan Love because you're right. He almost uh, – he didn't have a perfect pass rating. He almost had a perfect pass rating, correct? It was yeah, very close. Like, it was a 157-2. I think a 158-3 is perfect. Okay, yeah. So very, very close, but essentially, a, a, you know, a perfect game um, by, by Jordan Love there. And the only problem I have with Jordan Love and – you know, again, I'm going to kind of just build on my theory that the Cowboys are a little bit ill-prepared for the Packers or maybe just overlook them. If I'm watching Jordan Love and he's making all these impressive throws and whatnot, and it's 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 amazing. He, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from him. But if the Cowboys are really just ill-prepared for this, I, I'm kind of skeptical on how Jordan Love will perform this week versus a team that will have had a whole week and change to prepare Uh coming off a bye, fully rested, on the road again. Look, it's impressive that they beat Dallas, but I think that if the 49ers defense can can even bring it 75% of, of what, uh, you know, they're, to their fully, uh, what they're fully capable of, I think Green Bay is going to struggle with the 49ers. And I think that all these, you know, these little uh, crazy back foot throws that Jordan Love is making, I don't know if that's going to fly against the 49ers. So uh, impressed, yes. Obviously, Anytime you go into Dallas in the playoffs and beat the Cowboys when they're eight and zero at home during the regular season, you have to be impressed. I'm curious to see what happens this week because there was a couple of plays, nothing really too specific, that I thought, you know, against a, a defense that was just, you know, even having their average day, that might be an interception or that might be an incompletion or that might be a sack even. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I'll say, about the Packers, but. Uh, this this week I'm I'm very yeah, very close I, to I just feel I feel like Jordan Love and the Packers have already kind of crossed over the benchmark, you know, because 
Like, what was the precedent that was set? Think about the last four or five years, you know, Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, you know, really with, at least right now, what looks like used to be a more loaded roster, have just significant trouble in the playoffs. They Like, not being able to get past the first round. Um, so I, I think they've already crossed over that, and now they're kind of playing with house money. So good on the Packers, and I really, you know, I, I, historically, they've owned Dallas in the playoffs. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, you know, when you think back to that, throw that Aaron Rodgers made on the sideline or the one year where Dez caught it, Dez didn't catch it. The Packers always seem to come out on top and and they do again. So yeah, this game was, uh, was kind of a stunner. Yeah, that definitely was. And the Packers, I, I read this this morning that they are the uh, youngest team average age to win a playoff game. That That's quite impressive. I saw that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, good props to them. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Oh, matchup in a bit. My last point in the Packers, did you see the reporter outside Lambeau? And then Jair Alexander runs up and he's on the broadcast and he's like, you know, I, I just came to tell you the, the pack is back or whatever he said. And then the woman doing the broadcast was like, okay, that's a Packers fan coming over here and whatever. Did you see that? I did. I did not. No. Yeah. So Jair Alexander was pumping up the Packers. Like you ever see a kid run up to like a news broadcast and just start, you know, messing with it or whatever. Yes. He kind of did that. In, in in a nice way, in a graceful way, and said, pack his back, whatever, and then she mistook him for just a fan. He might be the best player on the team. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's not a good look on her on her no. part, I think. But It, it could be yeah. worse. You could be asking about weather conditions in Detroit. Yeah, uh, they, they really definitely should uh, maybe think about freezing the stadium inside this week. But um, let, let's get to that game. The the Rams-Lions, that which was the best game of the weekend, uh, we – I I texted this in our group chat and we kind of spoke about this on the side, but the podcast took an uppercut with the Rams losing. And I, I'm not a I I was talking about listening to Bill Simmons and listening to his podcast, and he said something that I thought was interesting, kind of agreed with. But great game, Jared Goff, amazing game, uh, Amon Ra, amazing game. The, the Lions defense showed up in the second half. All things considered, I'm I'm not he said, and I kind of agree. I'm not sure that the right team won this game. I, I think I agree with you. Uh, but they did. And I kind of found myself going into the game wanting the Rams to win. You know, the Rams are kind of our team and all that. Um, and then I I'm getting into the hype of the stadium. I'm seeing everyone, I'm hearing how loud it is, and I kind of just start rooting for Detroit. I'm like, you know, Stafford, you already won your Super Bowl. Um before we get into the X's and O's this game, can we can we talk a little bit about the the kind of Stafford versus Detroit thing going on here? Because they handled it so strangely from the beginning, right? So it starts and we're talking about the, you know, maybe banned Stafford jerseys, whatever. Fans are going to be fans. Uh, then the game happens. All, there's the hit on uh, Tyler Higby. Stafford goes out of his way to call it a dirty hit. I didn't think so. Uh, Stafford's wife goes out of her way to say that fans were booing their daughters. I I don't think so. I, I don't believe that happened. I, I'm with the Detroit fans on that calling BS. <laughs> and then Stafford after the game, you know, kind of they ask him just emotionally how he's feeling after, a, you know, a game against the Lions and all that. And he goes out of his way to just say, I'm happy for the players. So there was a, there was definitely some sour grapes on the Stafford end of this. And it kind of made, the entire game more interesting but yeah man I, I just found myself rooting for Detroit at some point yeah I, I 
that it was definitely all interesting. And the most, uh, to me, the, the craziest thing was the whole, uh, we spoke about it last time, but the Jersey part where there were, there was, you know, rumors that they were banning jerseys, Stafford jerseys around, uh, around the stadium and whatnot. But I, I thought that maybe, you know, good. I'm happy for Detroit. I'm not like mad that they won or anything, but I way, still she, think that Kelly Stafford has taken back her comment that her daughters were booed. So I, I'm not just, not believing or calling BS, she already retracted it. Oh, okay, see, I didn't even see that, but nice, nice hamstrings there, Miss yeah. Miss Stafford. Um, the uh, yeah, the I just think the Rams, they I thought they I thought Stafford was absolutely unbelievable in this game, and uh, he, you know, there's that throw where he had a man in his face, and he he's throwing off to the side on a no look sidearm around the guy. It was an absolute dot. You probably saw it all over Twitter. I just thought Stafford was so on, and uh, honestly. The second half of this game, I think whoever, you know, kind of possessed the ball last there was going to win it. And, yeah. and I thought that uh, both these defense stepped up in the second half. The first half starts and you start seeing these guys, this score, that score, big Puka Nakua uh, long touchdown. I'm on raw long play after a long play. Um, and I just thought this was going to be a shootout. Both these defenses kind of flipped the script in the second half. And I think it's a credit to the, the coaching staffs of this, each of these teams. Uh, you know, go, going into the locker room after that kind of first half and then only having, I think, was like nine points total in the second half by both teams put up. Uh, I, I just thought you know, I would love to see – like this is one of those games where I would love to have like a series in the NFL. Like I would love to see like, all right, now let's go back to Los Angeles and then whoever was the higher seed, let's go back there and play it for a third time in like a best two of three because yeah. I'm not sure. I think, you know, Detroit obviously was up for this game. Uh, it was like their first home playoff game, what, 20 years or so? I think it was 30 uh, years. 30 even, whatever, a long time. And they were definitely up for it. And I think that if this game was in L.A., maybe it's – uh maybe the maybe the Rams win 24-23. And it's just the – I think anywhere this game is played, it's a good game. These teams match up very well together. So, um, Yeah, I, I had one more, uh, I guess, a Stafford point. But you know how lately in the NFL, whether it's – Tom Brady, whether it's just ex-players, you know, using whatever platform they have. You know, we're starting to learn more and more that a lot of these concussions are undisclosed. Yes, oh, the Stafford it concussion It really thing. looked like Stafford got knocked upside the head. It looked like he kind of lost where he was, figured it out, and then, like, grabbed his side, like his ribs or something. And then, I don't know, I just kind of have a theory that Matt Stafford might have might have gotten jumbled up there uh, and and kept playing, but she's done it Ford Field so many times because he's a tough son of a bitch. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you think, cause it was scary to watch him go down. It was almost like, as soon as you're looking at his eyes, you're like, Oh, that might be a concussion. He might be done. And then he kind of gets up grabbing his side. Do you think that was just like a dupe by Stafford? Cause that's kind of, that's kind of <laughs> what I believe. They, they cloned him in the blue medical tent. Is that what you're well, No, you're just saying? that he was like, <laughs> I definitely have a concussion. Let me pretend it's something else. Yeah, uh, well, I, I saw immediately when that happened, I saw one of the, the doctors or uh, sports doctors I follow on Twitter was like, I'd almost guarantee that we're going to get, uh, you know, delayed uh, concussion symptoms after the game for, for Stafford. When real, realistically, if you were watching the game, you saw that he was just absolutely just out of it. But, I mean, the, the counter side to that is he could have just gotten like, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to necessarily be a concussion, right? You could have just, you could have just got, Knocked out. Yeah, you know, I just think like a fear of not being able to return because of a hit to the head is what he was trying to hide. Yeah, and and again, you can get into the, a deeper conversation of like, oh well, 
obviously the NFL is going to take Stafford out in what the third quarter of a playoff game in a one possession game. Like you think really the NFL is going to do that if yeah. you want to get into some tinfoil hat stuff. But um, mm-hmm. also, also a fun conversation is going to be, uh, I guess, after the season or a debate is going to be uh, who wins the offensive rookie of the year. Is it Nakua or uh, CJ Stroud? I think CJ Stroud probably will win it because quarterbacks are most likely favored, but it can, like definitely cannot go. It. Uh, it can't go unnoticed what Puka has done this year. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, because if we're talking about him maybe having like the best rookie season ever for a receiver, and you're going to give it to a quarterback who, again, has been unbelievable, I just feel like then it should just be a quarterback award then. Just make quarterback awards because it's – I don't know. Every year there's you, – you can't really win an award if there's a quarterback who played well in that same group as you. Yeah, and this will be a, a very telling – uh telling i feel like award ceremony we can say where if that's the case then maybe they do have to alter it because you look at even just the top uh the top mvp candidates quarterback 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 it's it's literally the quarterback award other than unless your name is christian mccaffrey but uh yeah well we did want to kind of the teams that are packing up and going home i guess we did want to give a little bit of you know outlook Coming into the season, you know, we were obviously very high on the Rams because that's just who we are. We're geniuses. But people kind of have already written the Rams off. And now another season has passed where they're done. We don't know the future of Aaron Donald. You know, Matt Stafford's going to be a year older, I think 36, 37. But, you know, we do have a, a great rookie who just emerged that we just talked about. There's still a lot of talent on that roster. What are the Rams like moving forward? Do you think that they're – at least in the immediate future next year, are they just kind of like, yeah, I mean, we still, you know, we're still pretty good. Why not run it back? Do you think that's kind of the mentality with the Rams? Yeah, I think they can throw some money at their defense. I mean, again, they're going to get their offense is going to return next year with uh, Stafford. It's going to be the same. Kyron Williams, uh, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, obviously, in the second year. Um, so their offense should be fine. Throw a little money at the defense. Run it back, and again, maybe you host a playoff game. You end up, you find yourself in a in a divisional round next year, and you never know. Maybe they're just like the Yankees, and they just think that getting to the playoffs is just a crapshoot. And as long as they have a a playoff caliber team and get there, you know, get to the dance, and then you can start dancing, kind of thing. Yeah, but I think you know, good on uh, Tyler Higby for. So he he had a an assault charge or something, kind of like resurface on the internet, and he wasted no time tearing his ACL and changing the Google search results there. Yeah, uh, definitely a good move by him. He was actually smiling when he <laughs> was on move. the sideline. <laughs> they said he was smiling in the, uh, in the blue medical tent too. So uh, yeah. good, good move there. A little side story there. Uh, let's, let's go to uh, Monday, Monday, the Steelers versus the bills. The first game, uh, the postponed game that was supposed to be Sunday, one o'clock uh, moved to Monday. I believe it was a four, was a four thirty start time. Uh, this one, regardless, the, the Bills beat the Steelers 31-17. First thing I'll say, I guess the first thing I kind of wrote down when when kind of looking at this game and, and, and just kind of taking it all in, not impressed by the Bills. I, I'll just come out and say that. I think that, you know, 31-17, uh, they're playing a, a Pittsburgh team at home uh, with no T.J. Watt, who's arguably the best defensive player in all of football. They have Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. And, yeah, 14 points wide margin. But I thought the Steelers were able to move the ball against this defense. They were in this game for most of the game. And, and I, you know, I thought Buffalo, obviously, credit to them. They did. They handled their business. But 
not impressed still with Buffalo. Yeah, I guess, but uh, it's almost like when they're up, I, did they start twenty-one nothing? I, I'm not, I'm not. Too, it might have been fourteen-seven at one point, but you know, when you're leading by fourteen to twenty-one points, I guess it's tough to impress or really continue. You're kind of just playing conservative football, trying to win the game. You're kind of staring at the clock. I think this game went exactly how like a fan would predict it, right? Like if if someone came up to you and said, "Oh, Bill Steers, what's your prediction?" You'd probably say something to the effect of. Uh, Bills 31 17, something like that. So I think the game played out just like that. Uh, I think the Steelers were no match. I think the Steelers still don't have a quarterback. And Mike Tomlin pretty much told you as much when he said they will be bringing in competition for Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think at some point, the love affair we all have with Mike Tomlin, you, myself, the whole world, it starts to get like you, you haven't really played for anything in a long time. And I know being 500 or sneaking into the playoffs is cute. It's great. I'd love to be a fan of a team that consistently makes the playoffs someday. <laughs> but it, it's almost like it's almost old now. It's almost like you you haven't really had anything here in a while. So I, I you know I understand where you're coming from. I don't want to say I necessarily, necessarily disagree, but you know again I think that this team to to do it in under these circumstances with. You know, I think a lot of teams, obviously, it's it's weak to say that a lot of teams would just sign for whatever the Steelers have. Apologies, but, I meant to say Mason Rudolph a moment ago. Oh, I mean, it, it could be Mason Rudolph. It could be Kenny Pickett. Who, who really knows who the who the quarterback is for the Steelers next year? But I think that y- you can talk me into going multiple ways with the Steelers. And I think that it, as long as you have the defense, as long as you have Tomlin, if you can get a, some semblance of like a, a Russell Wilson there, even or uh, even going with like the the route of like a younger quarterback, uh, if you wanted to do that, or even just sticking with Pickett or Mason Rudolph, I think you add around the edges there. You have some weapons that kind of came on later in the season with Jalen Warren, Najee Harris looked great. That looked like a really good one-two down the stretch. Deontay Johnson with a real quarterback is a really good receiver. I, I think I, I'm I'm not necessarily disagree disagreeing that it's getting old but i think that unless they it, it won't really get too old and it won't be over it until they kind of don't make playoffs essentially yeah i guess so that's that just i mean that's just how i feel about the steelers they it's it's almost like you know they're yeah they're did you did you really expect mike tomlin to make the super bowl with mason rudolph no, is that a is that a Tomlin problem? I guess is my the way I'd say it. No, I guess not. Maybe me pointing the finger at Tomlin was wrong. Maybe maybe I'm completely off, and maybe it's actually amazing what he does with what he's giving. Maybe maybe that's the case. Yeah, and it, but, I would even say I would I think I would lean towards agreeing with that. And then at that point, it's all right. Well, if you want to point the finger at someone, point the finger at I guess you know the front office and I their. Uh, however their draft process goes down and whatnot and, and having to pick, you know, Kenny Pickett, not for nothing. He's still got a lot to prove in the league, but he's no CJ Stroud. He's no Jordan Love. He, you know, he's no Trevor Lawrence even. He's he's not in that elk. So it's – it's you kind of can only play with the players on your field if you're the coach. So it's, they, they just – they got to have Big Ben just lace him up again. It doesn't – it doesn't yeah. feel right. One last run. Maybe Joe Flacco goes there next year and brings them to the playoffs. That actually that actually probably makes sense for them. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. They're an interesting team to watch. Uh last game of the week, the Eagles Bucks. This is uh going to be studied in, in sports textbooks for years and years and years, I think. 
the fall off of the Philadelphia Eagles is absolutely remarkable. Uh, 32 to nine. This was never a game. Uh, the, the Bucks absolutely came out firing. The Eagles look absolutely flat. No A.J. Brown in this game. No semblance of a run game whatsoever for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts looked absolutely flustered against the 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 vaunted Todd Bowles blitzing defense. Um, uh, maybe the NFC East is just a bunch of frauds. Uh, maybe the NFC might be fraudulent as a whole. Well, I guess it will remain to be seen, but uh, I, I really have nothing to say about this Eagles team. What an absolutely embarrassing well, that, fall That's a shame because you, you kinda, you've kind of been on the Eagles all year. So I was hoping that you'd have you'd be able to give me some reason. Like, what the hell happened? I mean, it's just like it's almost a slow burn at this point where I've just been kind of saying, all right, well, you know, six weeks ago, it's like, oh, yeah, bad loss. Then five weeks. Oh, yeah, well, another bad loss. Four weeks. What's going on here? And then at this point, I'm almost just like I've been off of them for like you know a week or so. And I, I did think that they, they had a chance to win this game. And I thought that, uh, you know, going into this, if they did win this game and figured it out in one week time, that they would be a, a team that we could talk about going forward as like a sneaky uh, wild card team here. But not the case. Uh, they, they get absolutely just put to bed. I, to be honest, in looking back on it, as soon as uh, A.J. Brown is ruled out and maybe as soon as he was injured in, in week 18 uh, at MetLife, as a matter of fact, uh, just throwing that in there. But as soon as that happened, their season was done. And I think that they're they're an interesting team to watch. They, they've kind of already said that, you know, Sirianni is, is not on the hot seat. But that, you know, saying it and doing it are obviously two different things. And I'd be interested to see if they end up maybe looking elsewhere or maybe doing, you know, what the Giants did with Wink Martindale, where they kind of just fired his uh, his his right-hand men and, and said, hey, if you want to stay, stay. But we're going to bring in our own guys now. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to, to watch what Philly does, but I really have no words, just an absolutely embarrassing fall off. And, and they're just got to go back to the drawing board. You can think we, we can have a Jalen hurts conversation in the off season and whether he's good or not. Yeah. I, 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 I was going to bring that up and I was like, maybe it's too early for that. It, it's definitely an off season question. And it'll definitely be something to be the Eagles will have to address. And it's not that I think that he's, when they're good, he's fine. It's just I think that there's a certain play style that he needs to play under that, uh, when you, again, you don't have an A.J. Brown, you have no semblance of a run game. I mean, DeAndre Swift at the beginning of the year was absolutely dynamite for them, and he was he looked like a top back in the league. I haven't heard his name in six weeks. Yeah, and the thing with the Eagles that's so frustrating offensively is, you know, like when we talk about the Jets, we could talk for hours about what the issue is, right? They can't block anyone. They have no quarterback, et cetera. I don't know what the hell it is with the Eagles, and that's why it's frustrating. They just can't move the ball, and I don't know why. Yeah, and then now Jason Kelsey retiring, so they're going to have that big shoes to fill there for sure. Yeah, and that's almost um, like the one thing you do well being taken away almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, what's the tush push going to be without Jason Kelsey? Yeah, and congratulations so, to Jason Kelsey on a distinguished career. Yeah, did you see that's, what I posted on my Instagram? He had the other such day? a ride, and like, so he's been around since like 2012, something like that. You know, he's played a decade, and then like after about 10 years, he just became a mega celebrity. It's just a yeah. bizarre NFL career path. I mean, you can. This might you might disagree with this, but do you feel that way about like Nick Mangold? But Nick Mangold never reached like the like the no, nationwide no, heights that Jason Kelsey has. He also played a little bit of a different time. But like, do, let me put it this way: Do you feel like 
uh, it would be, you know, somewhat similar if, for the Jets and Nick Mangold had that been like today. Yeah, because yeah, I would say so. Because honestly, yeah. like, how many times do you see jerseys worn of the center? And Mangold and Kelsey are honestly the only two I could think of at the moment. Yeah, that, that that's the only reason I really brought it up. But yeah. yeah, I thought that was the you know first first name that popped in my mind there. But yeah, did did you see what I posted on my story? What what Kelsey did with the uh, his like you know local McDonald's. Yeah, that was cool. He's yeah, he's that, that dude. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, and I think you know the Kelsey family again. Obviously, you and your Taylor Swift of it all is uh, yeah. gonna have a, a biased opinion. But Kelsey family just they're just good people. Oh yeah, definitely. So, um. That, any other thoughts on, on the, the wild card round before we, we head into uh, some of our divisional round preview and then our, our picks at the very end? Any any other final thoughts there? Uh, no, my only thought coming out of the wild card round was like, fuck, Taylor Swift's going to have to go to Buffalo. She's uh, going to pull up and be like, what going? is this shit? I thought she wasn't going. This, no, I think she is. Uh, you're going to have to check up on your sources. I'm, I was almost certain that I saw something that she was not going to be in attendance. Well, you know what? Good for her for not subjecting herself to the city of Buffalo. I think, and honestly, what I read kind of was along the lines of like she just doesn't want to be in that environment. Really? I, are you, are I, you playing a joke? No, I I promise you, I read this somewhere. I'll I'll try and go back and find it. I, it might have been, it could it could have been just a joke that I'm just falling for. But yeah, I, maybe I saw it was like breaking news, like or not breaking news, but it was like Taylor Swift to to not be in Buffalo. Uh, for this weekend's game, uh, amidst like maybe like weather conditions, and then someone like commented under it was like weather conditions, or just you can just say the Buffalo fans are crazy or something like that. Yeah, well, maybe that, that could be. So but, I'll, uh, I'll try yeah, now that we got the you. biggest star of the NFL out of the way. I am ready to go over <laughs> an exciting divisional round. Yeah, I, and we're gonna start at the top Saturday. Houston, CJ Stroud, and the Texans head to Baltimore and play uh, the most likely league MVP and Lamar Jackson. Uh, nine and a half point favorites here. We're not we're not going to give our leans on the game unless it's you know we'll give our picks at the end. But nine and a half points, a big number here, and uh, in, in much consideration. And I think this is a game of uh, probably you can argue the hottest offense versus the best defense all year. And for the Ravens, they you watch what they did against the the 49ers. and if you want to take that as like a benchmark game in their season, they dominated them. And that that's an offense that everyone kind of still even with that performance still points up as you know an elite offense in the league they dominated them uh let's see what cj stroud's got because if he can go to baltimore and win this game wow i think the headlines will only be on cj stroud if that's the case yeah and this is another one of those games where i feel like there is a team here that's kind of playing with house money and the season's already a success uh but no i mean honestly going back to that Ravens 49er game that was the game that really like I had to put I had to put away any concern or doubt about Baltimore like I I think that they're gonna they're probably gonna club the Texans but this is a game that I'm expecting shootout shootout of Jace and I, I think this looks like outside of maybe Chiefs Bills because we've seen magic from them before this looks like it might be the most fun at least entertaining to watch you know game on the slate here oh yeah I mean CJ Stroud versus uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson might be the most entertaining player in the history of the sport. So. Exactly, and to see him, it's it's really it's you know unfortunately 
I want to even say, unfortunately, because it's, it's obviously going to be a, it's a great product and the NFL is king, but in the NBA and why I like the NBA so much is like when you get a star matchup, like LeBron versus KD, like you're actually seeing LeBron versus KD. You're not going to see Lamar Jackson and CJ Stroud on, on the field together. It'll just be, you know, one at a time. Some people yeah. might view that as a positive. I, I kind of, I like the way basketball has that going for them, but a different conversation. And honestly, uh, like I said about the, um, the the Ravens and how they handle the 49ers, it's it's really going to be, this sounds silly, but it's it's a, a hot offense against a great defense. And then for the Ravens side of the ball, it's can the Texans defense uh, contain this this dynamic? Uh, I mean, they put up 56 points against the, the Dolphins two, just two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Can this Texans defense hold this Baltimore offense? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of going to the game just, ho- like, hoping to see anyway, like, the Texans be able to hang in there against the Ravens' defense to the point where in the third quarter, it's a possession or two away and the game is not over. Because we saw a lot of games end in the first half last week, uh, and the Texans, you know, they were one of the teams that were on the uh, the upper side of a blowout. So uh, I'd like to see them hang in. I know we don't want to give any leans here. Uh, I'm not going to give any leans in towards, you know, in terms of the spread. I love Baltimore. I, I don't think Houston has enough to offer. I, I think they're close. I, I think they're getting there. I think the season is a win on all on all cylinders. But uh, yeah, I, I love the Ravens. And and you know, on the flip side of that, I'll, I'll give the case for the Texans here. You can argue that the Texans defense played their best game of the season against the Browns last week. And you know, we we always talk about, it, especially in baseball and and really just all sports. But the best team doesn't necessarily always win. It's sometimes just the hottest team wins. And if this Texas, yeah, I would even say almost always it's the hottest team. Yeah. Almost always. It's almost a hundred percent true. You're, you're a hundred percent right. But, um, can this, if this Texas defense, maybe they hit their stride and maybe they, they can keep this to like a low scoring affair where they're in one possession game, uh, the entire game. And you just rely on CJ Stroud, like you said, at the end of the game to, to be great and he can have his moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, not going to give a lean. We'll give our picks later, but definitely intriguing there. Any any other thoughts on that game before we move on? No, I'm glad that we're kind of kicking off the weekend with that one, though. To get me going. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I think of the of the four games we have this weekend, I'd say there's probably one that I'm like, eh, you know, you know, it's a cool game, but uh, I I'm not really that enamored by it. I'd say that's yeah. the Tampa Bay against Detroit. Would you disagree? Yep. Yeah, you know, just it, it just I don't know. I, I think Tampa Bay is uh they're just Mike Evans great, Baker Mayfield always playing with a chip on his shoulder. We'll obviously preview that game, but in terms of just you know exciting and uh engaging games, I Baltimore Houston it's gotta be up there. Um yeah, yeah. let's move on. Power. The the nightcap of Saturday, Green Bay at San Francisco, Jordan Love uh going on the road to uh San Francisco and, and trying to back up an unbelievable performance also on the road last week. Um, I'll say this, Jordan Love, this is going to be, this might sound silly, but it, it is his biggest test of the year. And I think that, you know, like I said about the Cowboys and how they were ill-prepared, I think it'll be the exact opposite this week for the 49ers. And I think they're, they're going to be absolutely uber-prepared for this uh, Packers offense. And maybe the Packers found something last week on their offense that, that clicks I think they should be able to put up, you know, some points in this game. But again, just like I said about the Texans, 
Green Bay is not their defense is not that scary of a defense, right? They're they're relying on Jordan Love and this offense to put up points and uh, maintain long drives and win games. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, Green Bay defense deals with every single weapon. IU, uh, Debo, Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle, uh, all of those guys that San Francisco throws at you. Yeah, I think this week they're going to have to probably play an entirely different brand of offense. Like you said earlier, you know, a lot of those plays that Jordan Love made that, you know, whether it was extending a play or a throw off his back foot or whatever it was, I don't think there's going to be that uh, sort of time. And I don't think you're going to have the luxury of being able to drop back and take shots. I think you're going to come into this game and your game plan is going to be, we have to maintain long drives because if the, if the San Francisco 49ers are just getting on the field over and over again, you're going to lose the game. You, you can't yeah. get into that sort of battle. So I am interested just to see how they draw this up because a lot of those plays are not going to be there against the 49ers. And it's just, can you keep moving the chains? You know, can you stay in the game? Because really I think your only chance and this is, you know, we are talking about a team that almost hung 50 last week. I still think they come into this game and really, I think their only chance at really winning is, is keeping this to a, a low score affair and keeping San Francisco off the field. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at my notes here and I I hear you saying, but my first note in this game is, I don't know if a shootout really does benefit the 49ers because I think that, yeah, they, they have the weapons, but if if the San Francisco defense is is allowing Green Bay to work, I feel like the Green Bay offense, and if Jordan Love is rolling and Jordan Love is, you know, doing everything he just did against the Cowboys. Yeah, but that's not going to – I don't think that happens. That, that That's that's fine. I'm just saying if the game game script lends to a shootout, and let's say, you know, let's say the Packers get on the board first. I thought it was very interesting that uh, – I don't know if you, you noticed this or, you know, just noted this, but last week uh, the Cowboys uh, or the Packers won the toss and elected to start with the ball. I thought that was very interesting. And in in terms of just, you know, NFL coaching and NFL, I guess, thought, if you're on the road as a huge underdog and you want to take the crowd out of the game, I think that's a good call. Uh, yeah, well, what I'm, I'm saying is I'm not really even saying I think, you know, in terms of lending to a shootout, I just think if you take a couple three and outs to start the game and it doesn't go so perfectly like when you won the toss and scored, I, you pump the ball a couple times, we're going to see – you know, whether it's Debo in the end zone twice, we'll probably see Ayuk in the end zone. It's just kind of what the 49ers do. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying a shootout, you know, means a win for the Niners. I just kind of feel like if they're on the field a lot, you're probably cooked. Yeah, and I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they, the Packers defense kind of handles all, all those weapons. But, again, uh, will remain to be seen. Just want to throw this out there. Um, I, I, just reading some uh, – you know, statistics that I found and just knowing, knowing ball, I guess you could say, but uh, division winners who have a buy, you know, so the the Ravens and the 49ers, uh, they are 44% against the spread uh, when in the following week after a buy. So the, since the, the exact numbers 32 and 41, uh, which is 44%. Um, do you, do you buy into the buy being an issue? I don't think so. No, I don't think because I just feel like the the whole thing about a bye week is to me it just kind of seems like a like a, a media storyline, right? Because you know, let, let's say last game of the year, we're talking about resting players, right? 
So let's say you rest all your players, you show up, you lose. People say you were rusty. They should have played. If the opposite happens, why didn't you rest your guys? You know, so I feel like it's kind of all revisionist history in terms of like getting the the week of rest and things like that. I think teams in the playoffs are going to be up. Yeah, I, I I'm not saying I I agree or disagree, but yeah, I think it's uh it's definitely an interesting conversation. It's a good point though that you know if you if you don't have the buy, it's like oh well you didn't have the buy and now your guys are tired. So, uh, it's it definitely uh an argument to uh, that's going to go down for a long time, probably. But uh, last thing I kind of want to put in this game. And I guess the, the argument for like the, the path to victory, I guess, for the Packers is, you know, I I thought there was in the Ravens game and obviously the Ravens defense much better and much different than the Packers. But I thought that there was some part of Brock Purdy's game that was a little bit, I want to say exposed, but if you get him off his first and second read and then make him go to his third read or break the pocket and be an athlete, He's good, but he's not as good as, you know, when he's marching down the field, catch, step, throw, catch, step, throw, catch, step, throw, and letting letting his guys just, you know, be a point guard out there and letting his guys do the rest. Obviously, he many quarterbacks you can say that about, but if you're the Packers, I almost would bring a lot of pressure this week and just kind of put the ball in Purdy's hands, right? Put the ball in and tell him, you know, we're not going to let you just sit back there and pick us apart. We're gonna we're gonna bring the the action to you and let's see what you do with it. And if you beat us like that, so be it. But uh, I, mean, I, think I think a big the, part of their success against Dallas was again, like you mentioned, when they got off to uh, you know uh, an early lead, they essentially minimized the Cowboys' running game. Right, so it wound up being all on Dak, and because of that, you got you got two interceptions. One of them being a pick six. Actually, they were both almost pick sixes, but the player was touched when he went down. I think in this game, even if you're able to achieve that from kickoff, you, you can't take Christian McCaffrey out of the game. You know, that's that's not yeah. how the, the 49ers run. He's still going to catch 10 passes. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. And it's uh, again, it's a big line. But I think that the game is in terms of like, you know, looking for the, the competitiveness of a game. Don't really look at the line because the Packers will be up for this game. The uh, the all the underdogs will will be getting up for the game. It's not like they're just going to, you know, you, you sometimes see like, you know, those minus tens in, in week eight uh, in the NFL where it's just like, all right, well, do I even need to watch this game? Like I kind of know what's going to happen. This, this game, all these games will be intriguing regardless of the line, but uh, yeah, the, the two, the two large line games are, are on Saturday. Um, let, let's move on to Sunday. Uh, the, the two games on Sunday, three o'clock, the Bucks head to Detroit um, where, uh, who even said that quote? It was a reporter that asked about the weather, right? Yeah, there was a reporter after the the win last week asked Todd Bowles, you know, your team, obviously a team based in Tampa, are you worried about the conditions in Detroit? You know, obviously the weather, it's going to be pretty cold. I think she even gave a temperature. And um, Todd Bowles gracefully responded, well, you know they play in a dome, right? So, no, nothing planned. Yeah, uh, it's – what a ridiculous question. But, yeah, it's – you know, I said it's a boring matchup. Line's six and a half right now. I, I see that line's favored. Um, my my thing I'll start with on the Bucks is uh, I'm always skeptical of the whole thinking of, like, you know, this this past game was so-and-so Super Bowl. I almost get the sense that the Bucks beating the Eagles was Baker's Super Bowl. And almost like we said about – uh, you know, the the Browns and kind of what we said about the Texans a little bit. It's almost like the or the Steelers. Uh, it, just kind of the, the happy to be here sort of thing. 
I think if you look at these two teams on paper, yeah, very impressive win by the Bucks. Uh, they obviously, you know, were able to get get pressure on Hurts, and that obviously affected them. No AJ Brown. Everything was kind of already, already crumbling for the Eagles. I think there's a lot of things in that game that kind of lended to the uh, to the Buccaneers, I guess, game script. And I, I think that uh, I'm kind of buying into the fact that, like I said, I think last week was Baker Mayfield Super Bowl. I guess so, but on the flip side, don't you think they kind of went into that game with such a struggling Eagles team that maybe it wasn't their Super Bowl? Maybe they were like, we have to win this game. You know, this is like when you want to catch them. Of course we have to win this game. Because you and I picked the Bucks. you know. We can call them underdogs all we want. It was a three-point spread. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, it was never a game either. So you're, you're right. It was. It's not like they, they just kind of – you know, had to gut out a, a crazy win and put all their effort into it. Sure. I just think that, you know, the the mental aspect of it to now, you know, you get a home game, which obviously favors the Bucs against, the, again, like I said, like against the crumbling team that you're right. We both did pick the Bucs because we saw just the writing on the wall for the Eagles. But that's yeah, a totally different monster than than playing the Lions who, uh, look, you can make the argument. I'll play devil's advocate on myself here. You can make the argument that last week was the Lions Super Bowl. And you can say that they're going to be just, you know, mentally drained from all the the Stafford of that, uh, you know, Stafford storylines, first playoff game in 20 years. And they might be off, you know, off a little bit here. But I think that, that you know, going to Detroit to play yeah. this offense against, you know, a defense that, you know, they just think about the X's and O's here. You have a guy like Gibbs in the backfield who is just, one of the better, if not the best, you know, just dump off option in the entire league, as well as just an absolute receiving threat out of the backfield. The Eagles don't really have that. And I think that if, if Todd Bowles is going to, you know, keep continue to dial up the pressure and get in the backfield against Jared Goff, you might see a huge, uh, huge game from Gibbs. Amon Ra had an unbelievable game. He's unbelievable. I brought up the, um, the Tyree kill stats and, and how he, uh, gets he only beat not only beats up but he really does beat up on bad defenses. Amon Ra is the reverse. He has the reverse uh, split there where he actually does better against playoff teams than he does against non-playoff teams. So uh, always impressed by something like that. But I, I think that this game, the fact that it's home, definitely does help the Lions. You know they're again dome team versus non-dome team. I, I think it's the I think the Lions should be a little bit. Uh, more is what I should say. Like, I think this line should be closer to seven and a half than six and a half for the Lions. But uh, I don't know. What, what say you on this? Well, the Lions are are my team moving forward. This is like this is the team I'm riding with until uh, until we win the Super Bowl. So I, I'm now. a little more excited for this game than you just because of that. Because you're right, it it does lack star power. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said really the reason this is going to be such an uphill battle for the Bucs is because they're going to Detroit. And anytime you play a team in the playoffs who's been historically feeble, the place is the barn, the place is the madhouse, like we saw last week. I think a lot of that lends to a Lions win. And, you know, we could talk about a hangover from the Stafford game and all that, but this is a team with such minimal winning in their history. And they're playing a game at home to go to the conference championship game. I think that place is going to be a barn again. Um, I think a lot of that lends to to the Lions, especially just because I think their roster is just better. Um, and I, I, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, the Bucs are probably happy to be there. They overachieved. It was a good season. Uh, I, I 
Yeah, I, yeah, I think going into Detroit is is a tough task for Baker Mayfield and company. Yeah, and I I've said this earlier in the in the year. Uh, the like I said, you know, talking about the defense and Todd Balls blitzing and whatnot. Earlier in the year, I thought when the lines were rolling, they looked very. They ran offense that was like perfect. I've even said uh, on verbatim on the the podcast here, uh, and they you know they it's just like I said, catch step throw, just like I said, Brock Purdy would would try and or the Packers would have Brock Purdy not do. But I think that Lions, when they when they start clicking, and you, you saw Jared Goff last week in that first half was almost perfect for the entire first half. So got out to a big, a good start last week. And, you know, if you want to talk about this in the simplest form, win or lose, I thought, I think the Rams are just a better team than the Bucks. Would you disagree with that? I, I, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So uh, definitely I, it sounds like we're, we're both picking the lines there on that uh, to win that game, but the main event and just right before we get to our picks, Chiefs Bills Sunday night, uh, six thirty start. I very weird that it's not eight eight o'clock, but nonetheless, this is the new Brady versus Peyton Manning. Um, it's all the storylines are there, all the talent is there, the history is starting to build. Uh, it, it just the drama of it all is just unbelievable. You throw Taylor Swift in, you throw in you know people going to shovel the snow out of the stadium just so people can get in. For the second week in a row, you throw in all the, you know, Kadarius Tony being offsides, the the thirteen second drive, game winning or uh, game tying field goal to send it to overtime. This is a heavyweight bout, and this is what the I mean. I want to say that this is the Super Bowl, but I this is the probably the second biggest game of the NFL season behind the Super Bowl, the Chiefs Bills. Yeah, I mean, we saw these teams get together in a playoff game once and they had to change the overtime rules afterwards. Yep. Yeah, so, it's, yeah it's they're, they're capable of putting on a game like that. Uh, in terms of just how I think this goes down, I think when you look at last week, we talked a lot about Dolphins-Chiefs and I kind of said, you know, I think on a neutral ground or I think in Miami, I think that game goes totally differently uh, because I haven't been all that impressed with the Chiefs. That's not to say that we've been all that impressed with the Bills. They've gone on skids where – you don't really know what's up with them. You know, they've always kind of been a strange team like that. We've been saying that for a couple of years now. Um, but that all said, you know, Chiefs being home against Miami in a freezing game, that obviously made you think Chiefs. I I see the Chiefs going into Buffalo, you know, going into Josh Allen's kingdom. I think it's a totally different result. So I think this week the weather lends to Buffalo. And I just I've been more impressed with Buffalo lately. And um, look, I'll, I'll, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I, I The case for the Chiefs that I have is I, I think that the, the Bills have just been up and down. And like like I said, when we were kind of talking about the Steelers-Bills game, I, I was not impressed by the Bills. I, again, no T.J. Watt for that, for that defense, which instantly makes them uh, exponentially worse of a defense. I mean, he's – again, like I said, T.J. Watt is one of the better defensive players in all of football. You, you you throw in that to that storyline of that game, then you get the Chiefs who, you know, you can weather conditions, Tua can throw this, this, or that, might have played their best defensive game of the season last year or last week. And I, I think that this – there's definitely some – obviously the, the storylines of, 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 you know, the Patrick Mahomes weapons and their, the drops that they've had. But look, not for nothing, 
in in the one of the coldest games in NFL history, Rashi Rice stepped up to the plate. And if they can make Travis Kelsey now a, a second option behind Rice and have Pacheco run on, on a defense like uh, the Bills, who last time they played, you remember, Pacheco did not play in that game. So there was no Pacheco against the Bills. So I think that Pacheco could have a big game here. I think that the Bills or the Chiefs will be able to move the ball. And to be honest, if you're asking me, if you're going to give me a coin flip to – to this, what this game is with a two and a half uh, point line. I, I think I'm going to go with Mahomes and the better quarterback. And, you know, I think one Josh Allen turnover or one, one bad play by Josh Allen and you're, it, it starts to get to sweat territory for the bills. So I'm. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of the thing. I think in terms of just right, this very moment, if you ask me who the better quarterback was, I'd say Josh Allen, just because, you know, when you talked about the bills having sort of an up and down year, being unimpressive at times, I feel like that about the Chiefs times two. Um, I do agree with kind of playing the, well, you know, if this game is really close, it's tough. Who do I think has the better quarterback? I might argue right now that is Josh Allen. But, I mean, in a playoff game of this magnitude, you can't live with the turnovers. I know Josh Allen's okay with living with the turnovers because look at all this other stuff I can do, and I'm totally cool with that. Do it every year. I don't care. Lead the league in turnovers every season. If you're going to lead in touchdowns too, I really don't mind. But in a game like this, you can't live with the turnovers. We can't have two Josh Allen interceptions. So I think the game kind of rests on Josh Allen. I think the Bills are a better team, and I think they're home. And I think it's just about what are we going to do with Josh Allen, and are we going to get Stephon Diggs involved or what? Or is that just done? Because I'm I'm very confused by that. Yeah, and, and where, where these two teams definitely differ this year is Mahomes' weapons are have been an issue all year, and he can. I guess again, playing devil's advocate on myself again, he Mahomes can be great. He can make every throw, and his his weapons could just fail him again this week and play a, again. The Bills' defense is no joke. I think I would say a Chiefs' defense might be a little better in my eyes, but again, in in Buffalo, tough to really to say that the Bills' defense won't obviously be up for this, but. It, there's a world where Mahomes is great in this game and his the weapon just come back to bite him. And they just, you know, it, it, there's only so much Mahomes can do when, you know, you see Travis Kelsey, who had a couple bad drops last week, even Rashi Rice. Again, I understand the weather was, you know, frigid, right? You're beyond freezing. But I think that there, I, I've been skeptical even going back to like week eight, week 10, around that time of the year, where I said that I think it's eventually going to come back to bite them. And, is this the week that the, the Chiefs wide receivers make a big drop in a big moment? And uh, maybe that's just going to be the, the the determining factor. Excuse me. And uh, I mean, there's so many ways you could take this game. I think that uh, I, I just want to see a great game. I would, it'll be absolutely aesthetically uh, the, the peak of aesthetic pleasure. If it is just snowing in this game too, I don't know about you, but I, I would love this game to be snowing. It would just feel like a, an instant NFL classic if it was snowing to me. But um, uh, any any other thoughts on this game? Any other thoughts on the entire slate? Yeah, um, I'm not sure that I would. I'm not sure that I do want snow. I think I want to see the gunslinger sling. Uh, the last thing I will say about that game, though, is Khalil Shakir anytime touchdown. Thank me later. Wow, interesting. That's it. What did you get odds on that? I don't have the odds. I just know it's going to hit. I don't think about odds. I'm 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 what you would call like above Vegas. So their odds don't mean anything to me. I just know what's going to happen. All right, Mister. Haven't haven't won a pick since week seventeen. We'll see. We'll see. Spe- speaking of picks, 
I let's let's do them because we are uh, like we said. I'll, I'll give another score update real quick. But you are twenty two fourteen and one with thirty four points. You took a three point step back with going zero and two this week, and I am twenty four and fourteen with thirty nine points, a three point uh, addition for me this week. So I am firmly in the lead by five. Uh, I'll I'll let you have this because I think you need some. Uh, you can give me your one point pick first. We'll go back and forth. You give me your one. I'll give you my one, and then I'll we'll I'll do one and two, and then you give me your your uh, two point pick second. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So go ahead, one point pick. My one point play is going to be my beloved Detroit Lions minus six and a half against Tampa Bay. Uh, I think that game. Maybe outside of Packers 49ers has just the the biggest um I guess talent deficiency. So uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna roll with Detroit at home. I I think that they're uh they're on a mission. So and we already spoke about the game, but the the whole thinking of that was the Lions Super Bowl doesn't scare you off even the slightest bit. No. Okay, interesting. So uh, I'm gonna go with kind of I feel think you might be a little bit surprised by this pick here. But I'm going to go with the Texans plus nine and a half as my one point play. And uh, my my thinking is this. Like Ravens, unbelievable. Lamar Jackson, unbelievable. Uh, I Part of me does want to buy into the idea that, you know, a bye week might lend to like a slow start, might lend to, you know, the, the Ravens not necessarily, you know, clicking on all cylinders, some might say. Uh, I think nine and a half is a lot. And I think that the, the Texans – won't go out without a fight here. And this is a much bigger conversation. And I'm not going to be the one to say that they're going to totally just, you know, outright win this game. But are we really a hundred percent over the hump of like Lamar Jackson can now all of a sudden get it done in the playoffs? Or do we just forget that conversation because of the regular season he just had? That's a good point. I think we probably forgot it, but I, I do feel like, you know, that this is sort of a, a different Lamar Jackson here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, his second league MVP, Lamar Jackson. And I think he's a guy that can get it done and will eventually. And I think now is as good a time as ever. This is the best we've ever seen them since he's been there. And I, but, but I that said, I don't hate the pick. And I think it's, I'm going to watch the backdoor cover and be pissed off about it. Yeah. The, uh, it's going to be a 25 point, a 24 point game in the fourth. And they're going to, they're going to have a uh, Davis Mills come in and throw two touchdowns late. And it's going to crush you. Yep. But yeah, nine and a half is a lot for a playoff game. So, that's my one-point play. And then my two-point play, uh, much to your chagrin, I'm going to assume, I'm also going to take the Lions. So you'll you'll gain nothing there. You probably almost want to root for the Bucks at this point for me to lose the two points. I'm taking the Lions minus six and a half. Uh, you're, you hit it right on the nose. The, the talent disparity is there. Uh, I think that, like I said, I think last week was the Bucks Super Bowl. And I think that this game is going to going to rest on on how the, the blitz gets to uh, Jared Goff, and I think that Dan Campbell and those guys will have uh, absolutely just total control over over the game, and I think they'll be able to move the ball at will. Like I said, I think the Rams are a better team than the Bucs. Lions handled their business with the Rams there. Didn't cover, but I think that uh, six and a half here, Lions win, can win by a touchdown this game. I'm on the Lions minus six and a half as my two-point play. All right. Uh, I, I will move on to my two-point play, and I'm not moving off of – being the guy who makes my biggest pick, one of the biggest games, one of the you know premier games, it's the last game on the slate. I'm going to take the Bills at home. I'm just way more confident in them right now. I have way too many questions about the Chiefs. 
I get that it's Patrick Mahomes, and if anyone's going to roll up to Buffalo with all the issues they have and, and win a playoff game, he'd be the guy to do it. Uh, at this juncture, I feel pretty good about the Bills. Uh, they're going to be my two-point play. I mean, they could win by a chip shot at the end, and I'll walk away with my two points happy. So give me Buffalo. Uh, the, the strategy there was mostly just I really do like the Bills, and just it's it's a less than a field goal spread. So that, that made me feel like I, I had to pull the trigger. Yeah, and I can't get mad at you for it. Like I said, I, I described that game as as a coin flip. So uh, you're you're going to tell me that, that that's a coin flip, and you're gonna you're gonna take the home team that just had the, a very impressive win. Um, yeah, I I can definitely get behind that. So uh, kind of screwed you there with with the Lions pick because now you you know for me to for me to win uh, for both of us to win with net meat points, and then you would need the the Bills to win and the so. Essentially, you you're rooting for. I'm rooting the, against my first pick. Essentially, yeah. Yes, if I wasn't yes, a diehard Detroit Lions fan. Yeah. So I mean, so you're kind of in a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. So like personally, yeah. Yeah. Personally, you're in a personal win-win. That's that's just the title of my next book. Um, but uh, anything else in the slate? We'll, we'll, again, uh, we'll we'll talk more more basketball next week. Uh, we'll talk some any any sort of Yankees Mets moves or or whatnot. The Yankees, um, Marcus Stroman. Uh, almost becoming nauseating already. <laughs> uh, but uh, much much for, uh, a later episode. I, I mean, he's at the Nick game. He's posting all this stuff on his Instagram story. He like not nauseating, but like like I get it, dude. Like you're a Yankee. We got it. Cool. We understand. You're happy to be here. Like enough already. Like it's almost like every day. Every every time I look at his Instagram, it's so happy to be a Yankee with a Yankee hat on. Like okay, keep dude, that energy when Juan Soto starts doing the same thing. I, hey, I Juan Soto could do it all he wants. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any anything else in this slate before we get out of here? Uh, no, uh, I'm excited. Definitely, we'll be looking forward to just sitting down and watching, you know, game by game, slate by slate. So, um, if nothing else, thank you all for listening. Definitely follow out all of our picks. We've been wildly successful. Some some more than others lately, but getting down to the, the playoff time and it's an exciting time of year to to bet it's an exciting time of year to not only just win money but if you're uh, a lions fan like like mcfeely is and you get to watch your team win and win some money on them you're almost double dipping so uh good luck to everyone that tells us and takes our advice and as always peace out